the, the joy of the resurrection once again, and I ask that you would do that in our hearts. Help us understand what you're saying and help us uh, apply it to our life. Help us live in the light of your resurrection. Help us live in newness of life the way you've designed for us. Give us a wonderful time now looking at your word, I pray. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. So a priest and a taxi cab driver die and go to heaven. All right? And as they're walking through the gates, who should greet them but none other than St. Peter? And Peter says, let me show you around. I want to show you your new living quarters. Great, great. So first they take the taxi cab driver. The taxi cab driver is taken to a mansion. It's got everything. He's got a, a, an Olympic-sized pool, tennis courts. He's not driving a taxi cab. He's got a Ferrari. Yes, there's cars in heaven. He, he, he's got it all. He's got it all. And they're showing him around, and he's just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is the priest, and the priest thinking to himself, boy, if a taxi cab driver gets all of this, what am I going to get? You know? So they take the priest to his shack. And he shows them around the shack. It only takes about 30 seconds for the grand tour to be over. He's got a small little cot in the corner. No fancy car in the front, just the shack. And when the 30-second tour is over, the priest says, so why am I getting so little and the taxi cab driver getting so much? And Peter says, well, it's all based on Easter Sunday, you see. On Easter Sunday, you preach sermons and put everyone to sleep. But the taxi cab driver drove in such a way that everybody prayed. <laughs> there you are. So, uh, my intention this morning is not to put anybody to sleep. And if you do and I know your name, I'll call you out. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. We don't do that in this church. <laughs> Some visitors thought maybe we do, though. <laughs> so, if you're a visitor, you're safe, see? Um, okay. Um, want to look at the resurrection with you this morning. Would you turn to John chapter 20? John chapter 20. Oh, so please stay awake. My reward depends on it. That's what I was going to say. My reward depends on it. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. Okay, here we go. We're going to pick it up in verse 10. So verse 10 of John chapter 20 is right after the disciples find the empty tomb. You know, there's nobody in there. And, and their first thought is not, oh, he rolls back to life. This is great. Their first thought is, oh, this is, this is kind of scary. You know, what they do with the body? Where's the dead body at? And so all the other disciples go home. Mary Magdalene does not. Check out what happens to her in verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look inside the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me. Where you put him and I'll, I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary. Mary. First one to see the resurrected Christ that we're, that we're told. Why Mary? Who was Mary? Well, Mary was a woman, and if we read in, in another part of Luke, she was a woman who was said to have seven demons. And Jesus cast those demons out of her. She was a part of a group of ladies that we think were ones that funded Jesus and the disciples, the apostles, traveling around and doing what they did. So probably a wealthy woman had some means to to help with this. And she traveled with the disciples. She was present at Jesus' trials. She was present at the crucifixion. And then now she's the first one to see Christ. Sometimes in the movies... She's been portrayed as the woman who was about to be stoned for adultery. We don't know that that's her. We have no reason to think that that's her. Sometimes she's been portrayed as the prostitute that came in and, and uh, wept on Jesus' feet and cleaned them with the hair. Again, we don't know that that's her, so we have no reason to think that that's her. But she is an amazing woman. Seven demons, I mean, that, that's, that's bad enough. That's bad enough. And Jesus removed them from her, and so she followed him. And I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I don't know why Jesus picked her to be the first one, but if I could just conjecture, speculate, she was the last one at the tomb, right? Everybody else had kind of gone, like, well, it's over, We're, it's done, the body's gone, Might as well just go home. And she lingered in her sorrow. Her sorrow was so great. Her sorrow was so great. She just stayed and she wept. And so she was the first one to have her deep sorrow turn to amazing joy. What is it about the resurrection that turns sorrow to joy? That turns grief and pain into this 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 resurrection joy that's like nothing else. Well, Jesus tells Mary to go back and tell the brothers that he's returning to the Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. That's verse 17. And that's a clue that should link us back to John chapter 16. So to understand what Jesus is saying to Mary and, and, and to understand her process of going from sorrow to joy, I want us to look at John chapter 16. So would you turn back to that, please? And we'll do John sixteen sixteen. Okay. I want to talk this morning about how Jesus turns grief into joy. He did it for Mary. 
I mean, more than once. I mean, you think about the demons he cast out of her. This is what Jesus does. He turns grief into joy. I want to talk about resurrection joy today, a particular kind of joy, the joy that comes from knowing the risen Savior and knowing that we have a resurrected life as well as we believe him. So look at John 16, 16. Jesus says, In a little while you'll see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. Okay? Those are kind of cryptic words, you know? You'll see, you won't see me for a while, and then you will see me. Well, what does that mean? They've been traveling with him for three years, and so of course the disciples are wondering, why does he speak like this? What does that mean? Just tell us. Tell us what you mean. And so, verse 17, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you'll see me no more, than after a while you'll see me? And because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you'll see me no more than after a little while you'll see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when the baby's born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you'll ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and I believe that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has now come when you'll be scattered, each of you, to his own home. You will leave me all alone. <clears throat> Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I want to talk about resurrection joy. What makes resurrection joy so great? You know, how does Jesus turn grief into joy? That's a miracle on its own. I mean, we talk about the fact that we don't see water getting turned to wine today, and we don't see some of the things that Jesus did. But this is one of the things we do see, that Jesus turns grief to joy. How is that true? Well, number one, if you would look again at verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Jesus is saying that joy is actually greater than grief and pain. 
resurrection joy, not just any kind of joy, resurrection joy is actually greater than grief and pain. And his analogy is, it's like giving birth. And women understand this, you that have born children, that yes, there's the agony of giving birth, but then when you hold the baby, that tends to diminish. In fact, you think you're up for it again, maybe, you know? I think, Christy, did you say, I'll never do this again? Is that, I don't remember if you said that or not, but I, I know that later you were like, I could do this, you know? I could do it. Um, she always said, I did it without medication. <laughs> um, and so maybe you, you read this example and say, well, the example falls apart a little bit because some people die in labor. There is so much grief in this world. What what if you don't get to hold the baby? But but the example is to say that the grief we experience in this world is like the labor pains, like the childbirth. And the actual child that you get is the joy that you get. And it's greater. It has to be greater. So, So yes, there's... There's death and chaos and destruction and and terrible things that people do to people. But what Jesus promises here is that the joy that he gives is bigger than that, is greater than that. He's not promising that you don't go through sorrow, right? Because that's the cross. You're going to go through cross times. You're going to bear scars. There's going to be these things but, but you have to know that the quality of the joy that he's giving you is greater than the quality of the grief you've been given. That's the truth. That's the promise. That's resurrection joy. And of course, I would be wrong not to talk about the fact that the scars that we bear in this life will fade in the next life. Because resurrection joy will cause them to fade. Jesus will bear the marks forever. But our tears and our, th- those painful things will be wiped away. And resurrection joy will overwhelm all of those things. And some of you are waiting for that. Number two. If you look at verse 22. John 16:22 Jesus says so it is with you now is your time of grief but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy nobody nobody will take away your joy so so resurrection joy is a joy that can't be stolen it can't be stolen you know i mean you think there's a lot of other kinds of joy. You know, there's the joy of going out and buying a new car. There's joy. You get to drive that thing home and, you, and you're thrilled. Even if it's used, it's new to you. And you're driving it home and you're so proud of it. Until somebody dings it up. You know, you, your, your joy, your new car joy can go away like that. Some of you have probably experienced that, you know. In 24 hours, someone dinged my car, you know. It just takes one thing. And that joy is diminished because the quality of new car joy doesn't match resurrection joy. Because whatever will happen to you in this life, resurrection joy can't be stolen from you. 
Will you say, well, I, sometimes I feel like it's stolen from me. Sometimes I feel like people have taken it from me. And, and it's true that there's grief and there's sorrow, but the joy never left. It's, al- it's always there. You, you, can, you can have it back. I think sometimes we give our joy away to people, right? So, sometimes we let things. And I, I, don't mean, I, I don't mean maybe horrific things that happen, but I think, other times we just let people bother us, you know. We let circumstances get to us. It's the scratch car thing, you know. A scratch car is not the end of your world. It's just not. And yet you can let that rob you of your joy. You can give your resurrection joy away and kind of live in that anger or resentment. Or that person said something about you. You can let that person take your joy. You can allow it. But Jesus says the joy can't actually be stolen from you. There is great sorrow, but joy can't be taken away. It just can't. Um, stealing, yeah. <clears throat> I think of it. I think of it like, um, you know, nobody in Three Lakes. A lot of folks live with their doors unlocked, you know. And if you lived in Chicago, you'd never do that, you know. I wouldn't leave my keys in the car at a store in Chicago. I go to the post office here, and I don't even think twice. What car is he driving? Wait, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Look, if you leave the keys in the car, you're asking for it to get stolen. If you nurture bitterness, if you nurture unforgiveness, it's like leaving the keys in the car in the big city. You're just begging for it to get stolen from you. And we know there's, there's things we do as believers that, that stop people from stealing the joy. Because we're just, we're just giving it away. It's our fault. Resurrection joy cannot actually be stolen. It's ours. It's permanent. And when we're in heaven, it'll be perfect. Number three, uh, if you look at verse 23, I love this one. Uh, This is one of those, like, man. Verse 23, in that day, meaning in the day of the resurrection, you know, after the resurrection, which we all live in light of that day, by the way, that day refers to this day, you will no longer ask me anything. Okay? Now, what's Jesus talking about, by the way? You won't ask me anything. So they've been asking him questions. You know, We don't understand this, and you're, you're talking in parables, and we don't get it, and, 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 and they're dull in their spirit. We don't understand. Verse 23, In that day you'll no, no longer ask me anything, but I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Joy that is complete. Resurrection joy is the result of receiving blessings from the Father. Okay? You get resurrection joy when you go to God and say, God, I'm in need here. I, I, I need this. And then He gives it to you and you're like, whoa, joy. Joy. In the context of the passage... 
I know people quote this verse a lot, you know, ask for anything in my name. There's probably a few things we ought to understand to take this a little bit deeper. First of all, in the context, we're talking about the disciples not understanding what Jesus is talking about, you know. He's teaching them, and I'm not going to be with you for a while, and then I'll be back with you, and they're like, we don't get it, what's he saying? And, and so Jesus says, there comes a time when you're not going to have to ask me to explain anything to you. Ask the Father, and he'll explain it to you. Well, that's pretty cool, because certainly, for sure, what Jesus is saying is, we're going to have insight into spiritual things, namely, we have Bibles, and if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you to help you understand the Bible, and, and you're going to go deeper, and all you've got to do is ask, God, I don't get it, help me get it, help me understand, give me insight, and Jesus says he's going to give it to you, he'll give you the insight. I think this verse goes further than insight, though. And when Jesus says, ask anything, I believe he does mean anything, anything. Ask anything. But here's the key. He says, ask anything in my name. That's verse 24. And verse 23, he says it twice. It has to be in Jesus' name. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? It's not a magic term. It's not what you have to say at the end of the prayer over Easter dinner, you know. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. It's not magical, but it does mean something to pray in Jesus' name. Caitlin, can I bring you up here for a second? Would you come up for a second? I totally forgot to ask her about doing this. But I think she'll be okay. I think she'll be okay. Now, sometimes Caitlin asks me to buy her pretty things. Right? I, could, could you do the look that you do when you ask me for things? What's the look that you give? Do you know? You don't even know. You just do it you, unconsciously, right? You just do it. Can you say, Dad, can I buy that dress? Hold, hold on, hold on. Can you say it? You don't want to Okay, you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk. It's okay. It's okay. Now, Caitlin is beautiful. She's beautiful. And, and she's in a beautiful dress today. Did you notice that? When she asks me for something, there's a good chance I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Because she's beautiful. Now, you know, Derek and Brayden asked me, and I'm like, ah, you know, you know, you guys. I'm just kidding. You guys, are, you guys are handsome. You guys are handsome. But you don't work my heart the way the girl does. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Asking in Jesus' name. Now, Let's say Caitlin asked me one day, can I have, can I, can I have uh, that new dress? And I look at the new dress and it's like $85. And I'm like, boy, 85 bucks for a dress. I don't know about that. And so I might say, yeah, I don't think we're going to get that today. Sometimes I make you wait, right? Do I make you wait? Okay. Yeah. Let's say she asked me for new paints. You always ask me for craft supplies, right? Craft supplies? Always ask me for craft supplies. By the way, I don't understand why duct tape comes in different colors until Caitlin asks for it, you know? That's pretty cool. So she asked me for paints, and, and let's say that I said, no, I'm not buying any paints. I bought you colored duct tape last week, for goodness sake. And then let's say she said back to me, but Dad, I want to paint you a picture for Father's Day. Oh, how many do you need? <laughs> How big a canvas can I buy? 
Um, by the way, she does make me nice pictures. I should have brought one today. The one in the fridge, I should have brought it, shouldn't I? Thanks, Kate. You can go have a seat. Thank you. Um, now, uh, give her a hand. Yes. Okay. I should have brought the picture off the fridge. She makes these pictures for me. And, and if she said, buy me the paints, I want to paint you a picture, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that, it's about me, right? And it's not just about spending a lot of money. Um, when we pray in Jesus' name, we're not praying a magical prayer to twist God's arm. Well, I included the words in Jesus' name, so whatever I ask, you've got to do. Praying in Jesus' name is not like that. It's like saying, I want the same things that Jesus wants. I want the same things that he wants. And I, I had another reference. I'm going to forget it if I don't look it up here. Um, John 15:11, I believe, Jesus asked again. Maybe I should look at that. Um, John 15:11. Nope, that's not the one I wanted. I'll do that in a few minutes. But um, here it is. John 14:13. That's the one I want. John 14:13. Look at this. I will do whatever you ask in my name. Oh, goody, million dollars, right? No, no. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. Did you see the stipulation here? That it might bring glory to the Father. That's it. Asking in my name is asking for things that we, need, we know will bring glory to God. Yes, there are things that we need. We can pray for health and for healing and for peace. But, but keeping in mind, these things bring glory to the Father. Paint me the picture for Father's Day because it's about me. Is God an egomaniac? No, He just knows He's God. He just knows He's God. And He deserves all glory. And so when you pray for things that line up with His will and how He wants to glorify Himself, He gives it. Whatever it is, it's yours. And, and when you see him give it, you know, when you see him give it, and you receive it, and you realize it brings glory to him, you just bow your head in wonder, and your joy is complete. What do we have to do to get some resurrection joy around here? What has to happen to, to receive this? Well, number one, it's in verse 27. Chapter 16, verse 27. How do you get this joy? No, the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and have believed that I came from God. You believed that Jesus came from God. You want resurrection joy? Here it is. The first step is always the same for every single believer. And if you don't believe this, then you're not a Christian. Do you believe that Jesus came from God? That He's the Son of God that was born into the world to die on the cross for your sins. And then He came back to life on the third day. That's it. That's the baseline for all of us. Either you're in or not. Either you get resurrection joy or you don't. It's based on that fact. You have to believe. I think some of the robbing of resurrection joy, some of the ways we give it away, better put, give it away, is because we don't love God. 
the way we should. Loving is never the emotional thing. You know, I don't know if you felt emotion when you sang in church today, you know. Part of me, I mean, I want you to have emotion when you sing in church. But part of me says that that's immaterial. The, the, the love is action. It's doing. Emotions come when you act. Act in love. Follow him. Obey him. Sing to him. Uh, read the scriptures. Read the word. Obey him. Here's where John, the other passage in John comes in. John 15, 11. Probably the same page for a lot of your Bibles. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Well, what did you tell us? Well, if you look a couple verses earlier, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So you want to love Jesus? It's not about trying to make yourself feel warm feelings towards him. It's obeying. It's obeying, and then the feelings come. It's not feelings and obedience. It's obedience and then feelings. The joy comes through loving him by obeying him. See, some people, a lot of people, even in the church, are searching for happiness from what they can do for themselves. What can I do for me that will make me happy? And God says, you understand that I give joy to the people who make me happy. I give joy to the people that obey me. Obedience makes you happy. Obedience brings you joy. If you're looking for joy, you'll never find it. If you obey me, you'll find it. It'll just be there. I'll just give it to you. So we believe in and love the resurrected Christ. And lastly, and this is beautiful, and I know I bet you knew I was going to say this, verse 24, uh, until now you've not asked me for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Ask the Father for blessings in Jesus' name. You just ask. You ask for blessings. You think about what, what would glorify God in my life now, and you pray for that. I mean, think about how your prayer life might look different if you ask yourself the question, what things does God want me to pray about today? What things do I think are on God's mind that I could be praying for? And yes, those will be things about you. That's not selfish. You're going to pray for things for you. You're going to pray for things for family and friends. You are going to pray for healings. You are going to pray for people that are hurting and broken. And then when you see God come in and grant peace, you're going to say, praise God. Look what he did. He wanted you to have his peace. Look at the joy we get when he answers his prayer. It's like Christmas morning, you know? When you open up the gift, you're full of joy. When you open up God's gifts to you, the spiritual blessings he wants to give you, you're full of joy. Just ask. Ask in Jesus' name. Not as a mantra, but as a will of God sort of thing. All right. Um, Can I ask you to bow your heads and and close your eyes now? Uh, I love giving people the opportunity to respond. And worship team, you could probably come up at this time. If you're sitting here and, you're, and you've, you've come and you're hearing about how great Jesus' joy is and how all you have to do is believe and then you receive it, and maybe you want that. Maybe you want to have your sins forgiven completely today. And maybe you want to follow and love your Savior all the rest of your life. Maybe this is your day. 
If it is your day, and you'd like to pray and receive this salvation that God offers you, would you look up at me at this time, and I want to pray with you. If that's you, and if that's your heart, would you glance up at me and we will pray together. I see you, sir. There's no magical mantras. We said in Jesus' name is not uh, a trick. <laughs> it's the faith in your heart that God sees and loves. I'd like to pray a prayer and try to give words to your faith. If you'd pray this with me. Lord Jesus, this morning I see who you really are. And I believe that you are the Son of God, come from the Father. And I see and believe that you died on the cross for all of my mistakes and sins. I admit them to you now. I am the sinner you died for. Would you forgive me? Would you clean my life and give me that joy that you've promised? Because I believe in your resurrection. I believe you're alive today and listening to me even as I speak in my heart. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the reasons we have uh, connection cards in the pews is to connect with people. Um, And uh, if, if you'd like us to connect with you and talk more about this and the steps of the faith, please do that. You can leave it in the offering plate on your way out. So um, I want to turn it over for one last song. Um, So would you stand?